Welcome to The Breakdown with Dr. Earl, a mental health podcast. This is Dr. Earl Turner, a licensed psychologist and psychology professor in Los Angeles. Just a few disclaimers. The Breakdown podcast is not intended to replace working with a licensed mental health professional. The podcast is only intended to provide educational information and discuss psychology as it applies to your daily life. Welcome to The Breakdown. This is Dr. Earl. Thank you for joining me today for another episode of The Breakdown with Dr. Earl. On today's episode, we are discussing liberation psychology. But before I jump into the discussion with my guests, I wanted to share a little bit of data with you. We all know that over the last year, we have experienced significant stress related to the pandemic, as well as increases in racial injustice. And for many people in the Black or African-American community, data has shown that we have experienced even higher levels of mental health challenges. According to some data from Mental Health America, Black or African-American individuals reported the highest percentages of anxiety and depression over the last few years. Additionally, we see that among youth particularly those that have experienced symptoms of major depression, about 60% of those reported not receiving any mental health treatment. And we find that similar rates of unmet need exist among adults with about 23% of those individuals with the mental health diagnosis reporting not receiving any treatment. And so we know that when you are experiencing these challenges and you are not getting any help, that it can impact your day-to-day life in many different ways. And so I'm looking forward to discussing liberation psychology uh, with my special guest today, who I will introduce shortly. And we're going to talk a little bit about how can we liberate ourselves? How can we heal during this time? And how can we thrive moving forward post-pandemic? I'm excited to have my special guest join me. Dr. Tama Bryant-Davis is a professor of psychology at Pepperdine University. She is a former psychology representative to the United Nations and a past president of the Society of the Psychology of Women. She hosts the Homecoming podcast and has been a mental health expert on CNN, WeTV, Headline News, BT, On TV, and VH1. Dr. Tama directs the Culture and Trauma Research Lab, and her expertise is in empowering people to survive, heal, and thrive. She is a candidate for president-elect of the American Psychological Association, and Dr. Tama is committed to liberation approaches to holistic wellness for all people. I'm excited to talk with her today about liberation psychology. This episode was brought to you by Turner Psychological and Consulting Services. We offer workshops and trainings for the public and professional audiences on mental health awareness and diversity and inclusion. We also offer consultation for expert witness testimony. For booking, contact info at DrErlingerTurner.com. Welcome back to The Breakdown. This is Dr. Earl, and I'm excited to have my next guest join me, Dr. Tama Bryant-Davis. She is and a professor at Pepperdine University and also host of the Homecoming podcast. So thank you for joining me today, Dr. Tamer. 
I am excited to be with you and such a fan of your work, both the scholarship and the podcast. Yes, and it's been great. So one of the things that I, I, I often share with um, the guests on the podcast or the listeners on the podcast is how I am connected to my guests, if that is the case. And so um, we have the opportunity to, to be colleagues and, and, um, and work together and have had a chance to write um, together. So I, I know that you're very busy. And so I appreciate you taking the time to, to share with the listeners today. Oh, you are welcome. I'm glad to be here. And it's just so wonderful trying to get psychology beyond the academy and to get it where people can reach it. And so both in our presentations, in the writings, but then also through the podcast and social media. Absolutely. So I'm sure that a lot of the listeners may have already been familiar with your work. Um, The Breakdown podcast focuses on a lot of issues related to Black boys and men. And so there may be a couple that uh, may not be familiar with your work. And so I do like to provide an opportunity for you just to share a little bit about um, your background with the audience and um, sort of what your clinical focus is. Definitely. So I'm a licensed clinical psychologist with a private practice in Los Angeles. I primarily work with trauma survivors and the majority of my clients are racially and ethnically marginalized persons. And so dealing with all different forms of trauma from childhood violence to partner abuse, uh, immigrants who have experienced migration trauma, the realities of war, human trafficking, but also the societal trauma of oppression. So racism, sexism, classism, heterosexism, uh, all of these injustices that affect our lives. And I love to uh, work with people individually in groups and families. I'm a professor of psychology and teach a multicultural course in trauma in diverse populations. I'm the director of a culture and trauma research lab uh, to try to better understand the way our cultural context shapes our experiences of trauma and how we heal. And I'm also a mom. (laughs) <laughs> Perfect. So I appreciate you sharing all of that. And I'm sure that that really drives a lot of the work um, that you and so I have appreciated, you know, doing this podcast over the last two years and, and four seasons, because it does provide an opportunity to to reach a different audience than the people that we talk to um, who are academics and, and sort of, you know, keep all of this, this knowledge inside. And so I really like to to bring that to the public through the podcast so that they can learn about some of this research and how we can apply that research to our lives. So um, I'm looking forward to this particular conversation today. Um, And because June is men's health, um, we have um, Juneteenth coming up. Um, We have uh, LGBT Pride Month. So there's a lot of things that uh, we can talk about today related to uh, liberation, which is the focus um, of this particular episode. And so I wanted to jump in by just having you maybe define for the listeners, what is liberation psychology? Yes. So liberation psychology is really the ethical, I'm going to say accurate approach to psychology, because it does not just look at the internal world of the individual. And it recognizes that we are each more than a list of symptoms but that we are shaped by a socio-political context. And liberation psychology pays attention to the impact of social and political systems and structures on your psychology, on your well-being, that of your family and community. 
and not only pays attention to the impact of oppression, but also actively engages with people and communities to disrupt oppression, to resist it, and to cultivate wellness in the midst of it. And so liberation psychology with that particular terminology comes out of Latin America. And uh, interestingly, the founder of liberation psychology was both a social psychologist and a priest. Mm. And we recognize that in liberation psychology, it's important to have a holistic approach, including mind, body, and spirit. And it is also important to know that there are parallel developments um, of a liberation approach. So there is Black liberation psychology, there's multicultural feminist psychology or womanist psychology coming from the experience of Black women. And all of these we would consider uh, forms of decolonizing psychology, uh, which is to say we pay attention to the marginalized voices and put them in the center both as uh, clients or recipients of care, but also uh, in terms of interventions that have emerged from these silenced communities that really affirm our worth, our value, our human dignity, and help people to do more than just cope with the stress of oppression, but empower them to resist it and to create something new. So some people have uh, celebrated liberation as even larger than anti-oppression because it not only speaks to what we are against, but what we are for. And so trying to help people to grow, to flourish, to thrive in the midst of uh, the environments in which we live. Mm, wow, that that's, that's a lot. Um, and I know we've had some conversations about sort of liberation before. And I think for our listeners, the part that really stood out for me was really how do we cultivate wellness and yeah. thrive in the midst of all of the potential traumatic experiences and the oppression um, that we go through on a day-to-day basis. And so I think over the, you know, the last year for many Black families, sort of the impact of the pandemic. And, you know, we've talked about this before on the podcast in terms of like grief, for example, but there have been a lot of things that Black families have experienced due to the COVID, um, as well as seeing sort of increases in racial injustice in the last year that are stressors for many or have been the result of, of grief and loss. Um, and so I'm wondering what your thoughts are on about how can, you know, families and individuals liberate themselves to be able to cope and thrive, given all of these potential traumatic experiences and types of trauma um, that, that many people have experienced. Yes, I so appreciate the question. And it's so important that we pay attention to the times we are living in and recognize that as individuals and as communities, we are facing multiple traumas. And everyday stress, uh, stressors are those things that can be difficult to manage, but for the most part, we figure out how to juggle our various roles and responsibilities. But traumatic stress are those experiences that overwhelm us that disrupt us, that stretch us beyond our usual way of coping. And while many people would be aware of war or child abuse as a trauma, there has been a lot of resistance in the field of psychology to recognize oppression as potentially traumatizing. Mm. And so when we are in denial as an individual or as a society, it removes the, the compassion and the support and the resources that people need 
in the aftermath and dealing with ongoing trauma. So the first part of our liberation is being able to name uh, the issue. In liberation psychology, one of the components is uh, consciousness raising. And so for you to understand why is it that I have these insecurities? Why is it that I'm so tired? And so giving people the language, uh, for example, racial battle fatigue, that it is exhausting, it is draining to be surrounded by racism in your educational system, when you're dealing with banks, when you just try to go to the supermarket, minding your business, it can be exhausting. And if you don't understand it within its totality, you can think it's just you, right? Like what's wrong with me that I can't take all of this? Uh, and around the insecurities to give people the language and the understanding around imposter syndrome. And some people have, you know, kind of challenged this word because even the phrase kind of assumes that there is something within you that feels like less, where many times we are trying to navigate in systems that have made us feel like we are less, right? So of course, you don't feel like you belong in a place that does not want you to belong. Uh, and so the consciousness raising is a part um, of our healing. And also uh, within liberation psychology, there's something called problematization, which is to recognize like what is the real problem here? Is the real problem uh, that you are inadequate when you are trying to raise your children with two jobs and they are in a school system that directly and indirectly tells them that no one who looks like them has really contributed anything of worth. And you're trying to reckon with that, like that is the problem, right? So uh, when we are depressed, when we are anxious, when we are distrusting uh, that, I always say, if you if you bring the, the lens out large enough you will better understand why you are the way you are. Uh, and so the, the uh, awareness of the issues is a part of our liberation. And then recognizing most Western models of trauma recovery stop with coping and meaning making, right? But so they will say, you know, in the aftermath of uh, sexual assault, for example, and I'm a survivor, or in the aftermath of uh, a school shooting, what are some healthy ways to cope? And those are important, but from a liberation standpoint or from an African-centered psychology standpoint, we recognize coping is insufficient. We want to also teach people resistant strategies. How do I resist instead of uh, just continuing to deal with the aftermath of these realities. And so there are multiple forms of resistance. A part of it can be organizing, marching, running for office, uh, getting involved in your school board. And uh, in your parenting, you can resist, right? And promoting anti-oppression, anti-racism uh, in your children, in your faith communities, you can promote it. Um, but we also know that our rest is a part of our resistance. In this culture, many times uh, racially marginalized people are told their worth is based on their busyness and their labor and this stereotype hanging over us after we built the country, then we're told we're lazy, right? It's so outrageous. Yeah, and so yeah. then we internalize that and can feel like I have to always hustle. I have to grind. I have to lean in where an act of my resistance is to say, I am sitting still. I am resting that my joy is a part of my resistance, 
my loving myself and uh, others is a part of my resistance. And so helping people with that is the way we also get to a place of liberation. Yeah, I love that. I think, you know, one of the things that you touched on related to sort of imposter feelings and how like we sometimes think something is wrong with us, but that it is the way that society places these certain expectations that oftentimes are much different for Black people than it is for their white counterparts. And so I, I had an episode recently where we talked about that a little bit more. And I think it are it is those things in society, the dynamics that you sort of touched on where, um, you know, things happen much differently. The standards are different sometimes for Black people. And so that does make you feel like you're inadequate sometimes, but it's not you, it, 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 are, it is these systems that sort of play a role in that. And, and, and it reminds me of um, recently, a couple of months back, there was a um, story about a, a Black valedictorian, I don't know if you came across <laughs> it, who, um, you know, they, at this school decided that in the policy, they could allow to like change up the rules when they, when they wanted to. And they did that um, yeah. to, to have a, a white student also sort of co-be valedictorian um, because they didn't, in my mind, they didn't want the black student to represent, mm-hmm. you know, the school. Yes, it is uh, a necessary part of our awakening to recognize the truth is we don't live in a meritocracy. So in a meritocracy, if you just work hard, that that's the only factor that matters, that the people you see who are the richest just worked harder. Right. So that that is that is the myth. And the reality is uh, we live in multiple systems that are unjust. And this is not just a matter of opinion. That's the beauty of our science is that this has been documented with multiple uh, research studies when we look at applications for home loans, if all of the information is the same, but you give one a black sounding name, they will be less likely to get the loan. The same thing applying for housing, applying for a job, college applications, when the application is identical, and we even know we have not been given uh, equal access to educational opportunities, Mm -hmm. but even when it is equal and you change the name, uh, we see it showing up, which is why we say oppression, Uh, and racism uh, are bigger than individual bias. And that has been the piece that is now controversial. It has been controversial is people don't like us to name institutionalized systemic racism that they'll say, you know, you're not being patriotic or they will say uh, you're playing victim. This is documented information. uh, and, And when we are unwilling to name it, to acknowledge it, it really um, is gaslighting on a large scale uh, to mistreat people and then pretend it's not happening or to say, if you name the problem, you're being divisive and racist. So uh, it really is uh, quite a a manipulation. Uh, And so that is why truth telling is so important in order for us to be well and for us to flourish. Yeah, absolutely. That the, the pieces where you talk about like consciousness raising and naming these issues are really important so that you don't think that you're going crazy and that this is all inside of your head. Like right. it is the reality. Yes. And I want to name it is this um, holding of both pieces, holding the realities of oppression and also holding our gifts, our wisdom, our, our brilliance uh, at the same time. 
And I think often people can only hold one or the other. So if they only hold the realities of oppression, then some people who are not members of our community will respond with like pity and a messiah complex of, oh, these poor people, we need to rescue them. They just don't know anything. Um, Or on the other side, some people are only willing to recognize us uh, in terms of our strength and don't want to uh, give room for the vulnerability that oppression hurts, right? That colonization, enslavement, uh, years of the prison industrial complex, they have an impact. And uh, the reality is we have the wounds and we also have like a rich, beautiful heritage and to be able to hold all of that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It, it makes me so... I want to transition to another question, but sort of adding to what you just talked about, um, I'm wondering how for Black individuals that identify as LGBTQ, um, like those, those, the duality that they hold in terms of being Black, but also being in a oppressed, marginalized community can sometimes be difficult. And, um, you know, I had a um, another guest, Dr. Jonathan Lasseter, um, on in season two that talked about like spirituality and religion and, and his own sort of identity and, and, and growing up as a preacher's kid and, and sort of dealing with some of those challenges too. So if any listeners haven't listened to that, it's a really good episode. Uh, make sure you check that out. Um, but I'm wondering sort of, you know, it's, it's Pride Month um, mm-hmm. in June. And so a lot of data talks about for um, Black LGBT individuals that they experience a lot of mental health challenges and specifically mm-hmm. for me focusing in on like black youth yes. sort of the challenges that they experience with like that coming out process and, and being mm-hmm. accepted by families and so I'm wondering sort of how how can liberation help like reduce mm-hmm. risk and even how parents may need to think about liberation to be supportive of their of their uh, kids that identify as LGBT. Yes, thank you so much for the question uh, and raising the issue because what it highlights is the importance of intersectionality. And uh, intersectionality is when we hold multiple identities uh, that are a part of oppressed or marginalized groups. And uh, many times in our history, uh, the group, uh, one group, has tried to silence the range of identities within the group under the assumption that you're gonna uh, dilute the issue or you're gonna distract or we're gonna lose if you raise these different issues. So for example, uh, in black psychology, it was early criticism of not acknowledging women or not acknowledging the LGBTQ community. In feminist psychology, uh, there was early criticism of not acknowledging the experiences of women of color, not acknowledging the experience of trans women. And so whenever we are attending to the margins, we also want to be very much aware there are even margins within the margins, right? Like who has been erased? And then out of those who have been erased and marginalized, who has been even further mandated to silence under the idea of like, we'll get to your stuff later. You just need to focus on like the real issue or the central issue. Uh, And so what does it mean for us to be considered uh, like a distraction or like an unnecessary add-on? And it is so important that we get to the place of real affirmation, celebration, and recognition 
um, of all that we bring to the table. So there are those who are willing to say Black Lives Matter, but are unwilling to say Black Trans Lives Matter. Right? So you want to really sit with, like, it, is it only certain Black lives, right, that matter? And who, uh, and the impact of that. Uh, we also, in this realm of COVID, uh, saw many people speaking up from the disabilities community uh, who were treated as if like they were discardable, like, oh, well, the only, pe- the only people who are dying are people who already had pre-existing conditions. And so uh, to be uh, committed to liberation is anti-oppression in all of its forms, right? In all of its forms. And so to, uh, in our practice, in our research, in our teaching, to be uh, boldly and consistently uh, against homophobia and heterosexism and transphobia, um, and to not only be uh, anti those things, but again, to celebrate uh, the flourishing and the thriving and the work that has also been done by uh, Black LGBTQ uh, scholars and practitioners. Uh, Many times when I raise these issues, people will say things like, oh, it sounds like we need a framework or we we need, uh, you know, some building blocks. This work has already been done, uh, but this is why we have to decolonize our education and training because many times we have not been given the literature to really honor those who have been trailblazers, who have done this work um, that can literally, as you were alluding to, save lives. That our uh, LGBTQ uh, Black uh, youth have increased risk for homelessness, uh, for depression, for suicidality. Like this isn't just a matter of uh, they, something makes you uncomfortable, right? Making uh, the majority uncomfortable and you don't wanna have to adjust. It's like literally people's lives are at stake. Their well-being is at stake. We've seen attacks even on their healthcare. And so it is really important for psychologists who consider themselves social justice oriented, liberation oriented to not pick and choose and to not leave out Uh, the contributions, the worth, and the value um, of LGBTQ persons of color. Absolutely, yeah. And I think, you know, that's one thing that I I talk a lot with my students about in my multicultural counseling classes about that intersectional piece and specifically when you're thinking about um, Black individuals and, and adding in, you talked about the disability piece, but we can sort of add that lens to uh, LGBT individuals with disabilities. And, and we yes. recently in my class talked about older adults and, and that population. And so I think all of those things about how different aspects of someone show up at different times and like the context really does matter in terms of their overall wellness and the support that they need um, as well so that they can um, be well um, emotionally. Um, yes. And for those that have that spiritual connection, you know, making sure that, that those pieces for them also yes. are able to sort of um, be seen when, when they mm-hmm. need to. Um, and so really important for um, parents, clinicians to be, be aware of, of the dynamics yes. of, of all of those components that are important. And, and I'm glad you raised that because also um, as mental health providers, helping people to be aware of inclusive, uh, affirming communities that do exist, because it is so damaging when people are made to believe uh, 
that they can either hold on to their faith or their identity, right? Their gender or sexual identity. Um, and to know uh, that there are sacred spaces, that there are places um, that are centered on faith, on your spirituality, on your religion, who uh, see you as a reflection uh, of the love of God, right? Um, but, you know, absent that, people can really feel um, the weight of not only like, did my family reject me, but like, did the creator of the universe reject me too? So we uh, need to attend to that holistic piece, mind, body, spirit, and also family and community. Yeah, I mean, we could we could have a whole lengthy conversation yeah. about <laughs> all of these topics, but I do want to respect your time and um, and sort of wrap things up. But one of the things that I uh, wanted to do before we sort of closed up the episode was um, wondering if there are any resources or suggestions that you have for the listeners in terms of how can they get access to more information related to liberation psychology? Yes. So the American Psychological Association uh, recently published a text on liberation psychology. And so I would encourage people to read that text. It gives a great history. It gives information about the theories and then applying it to specific populations. Um, a, a practical resource is the meditation app called Liberate, um, and there's another one called Shine. So Liberate was developed um, by people of color for people of color. Shine, one of the designers is a person of color, and it has specific meditations on it um, that are about kind of feeding, uh, filling your well in the midst of racial battle, fatigue, oppression, all of these other factors that you and I both love is dancing and movement. Uh, and so I have enjoyed discovering this summer on YouTube, Kukua, K-U-K-U-W-A, which is African dance aerobics. And it's a mother-daughter team. And it's just lovely, delicious <laughs> to move these bodies is also an act uh, of resistance. And someone wonderful to follow on Instagram is the Nat Bishop who talks about rest as an act of resistance. And so all of those things can be helpful uh, for us being well. And then I'll just finally mention one of our colleagues, Dr. Shelley Harrell, who's a psychologist, has developed something called soulfulness, which is a contemplative approach that really centers our cultural heritage. Uh, and so if you look up her work online, Dr. Shelley Harrell, soulfulness, uh, from time to time, she provides courses uh, in that methodology, in that practice. And so the, there are an array of options that are out there. And I should mention my podcast. Uh, the Homecoming podcast is on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, and YouTube. So I would love you to join me on the journey. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I will include some of those resources in the show notes for people to look up. Um, oh, good. You can also, um, find, I think Dr. Harrell, her Instagram page is Soulfulness, I think, with Dr. Harrell. Yes. Um, so um, look, look that up information. And, and she has some really great posts as well as I, I saw a couple of months back, she did like a um, meditation group related to soulfulness. Mm -hmm. So if you are into mindfulness, yoga, um, check out those resources as well um, on her page. And I should just mention, you know, because I didn't say it in the introduction, I said it maybe indirectly, but liberation psychology is birthed out of liberation theology. 
And so if you want to read some of the foundational work, you can look at both liberation theology in Latin America, but also Black liberation theology uh, that really informs uh, the way that we approach holistic wellness. Perfect. So thank you again for taking the time to to join and share with our listeners. Um, Before you you leave, um, if you would let the listeners know sort of what you have coming up next, as well as they can connect with you. I know you mentioned your podcast, the Homecoming Podcast, uh, but any other things that they can sort of learn from your work. Definitely. I'm currently working on a book based on the podcast. The way publishing goes, it won't be out until next year, but you can uh, keep a lookout for Homecoming. Um, I also have a text that I am co-authoring called The Anti-Racism Handbook, and that will be out the beginning of next year as well. I'm currently running for president-elect of the American Psychological Association. And if you're a psychologist and interested, you can learn more about my campaign at tamaforapa.com. And if you are not a psychologist and just want to keep up with what I'm doing, uh, my site is drtama.com, or you can follow me on social media. Great. Thank you so much, Dr. Tama. And I will include all of that information in the show notes and I'm excited for your run for AP president. And of course, uh, you have my support as I'm also part of your campaign. Yes, <laughs> on so, my dream um, team. I'm so excited <laughs> to, to, to help you along this journey. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Well, thanks again for tuning in for the episode of The Breakdown with Dr. Earl. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode. Thanks for joining me for The Breakdown, a mental health podcast. And remember, you set your mindset. Be well and tune in for the next episode of The Breakdown with Dr. Earl.